The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open to Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Uh, We began a new summer series in Galatians 5 uh, as we will walk through the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Let me just ask, what's your favorite summer fruit? Uh, Some of you, maybe strawberries, uh, you think of watermelon, um, I mean, watermelon like, you know, the juicy, cold, out of the icebox watermelon that just, you bite in and just juice runs down your chin and, you know, it's good stuff, right? I don't know why I went into all that, but uh, peaches, tomatoes, tomatoes are fruit, right? Uh, what's your favorite type of fruit? You know, we think of those things in the summertime uh, when things are coming in and produce, Uh, Today we start this summer series talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, what we're going to learn over these next few weeks together over the course of the summer is is all about what is ours in Christ. You know, it seems to me that so much of what the world is searching for is in this list in Galatians 5. You think through love and how how much of the world, how much of our culture is looking for love and joy I mean, how many are searching for joy? I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy that lasts in the midst of whatever circumstance. They're searching for peace. There are so many people that are pursuing peace in whatever way they can find it. Going here or there, seeking for something. Uh, Kindness, goodness. We live in a world where every single day there's a new headline of something that is is just evil and wicked and, and, uh, and heartbreaking. Uh, you, you look at, uh, beyond that faithfulness, uh, how many have been disappointed and heartbroken because someone was unfaithful to them, or perhaps you live with, with grief and regret because you have been the one who was unfaithful. Gentleness. We live in a world where there's not a whole lot of gentleness around us. You know, gentleness is not this sort of less than character. It's not an unmanly character. Gentleness really points to this ability to control the power that you have. We live in a world where very few people give restraint to what they feel. It's just, I'm going to unload on whoever I want to, whenever I want to. The world is also then looking for this self-control. I mean, how many diet programs do you see? And how many, how many uh, you know, gyms and fitness centers and all these things are popping up everywhere because people are looking for self-control. I I think all of these things listed here in the fruit of the Spirit are things that the world is pursuing. They're looking for, and really the desire of of the non-Christian, even at times the Christian is there, the desire is there, but the attaining of it, the acquiring of these things is not always there. And today we'll learn why that is. And over the course of the summer, we're going to examine each one of these lists, these these fruits that are listed here in the fruit of the Spirit. So if you will, follow along with me as I read Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, 
Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I, want, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This morning I want to point out some things to set the context before we look at these individual facets of the fruit of the Spirit. You see, we won't be able to distinguish and call these fruits of the Spirit. That would be to go somewhere the Bible never goes. These are not individual fruits that we are able to pick up and, and, and put down at our leisure. They are more like the individual facets of a diamond, that the fruit of the Spirit, as we turn it, we see a different element of what God has given us of His own character in Christ. But let me point out some things as we look at the context here in understanding the fruit of the Spirit. First off, there is a war within. There's a war within each one of us. This is fitting that we come on the heels of three weeks talking about the war without. The last three weeks we have talked about this this spiritual warfare, this enemy that is seeking to devour us and to take us away from following Christ. And today I come to you telling you that there's not only a war without, there is also this war within. And it's pointed to here in verse 17 when it says that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And two different elements here. That the flesh, the word is sarks. It is not talking about your skin, your muscle, or your bones, but your sinful nature, your inclination, your bent towards sin. It's the sin desiring aspect of your whole being. It's the, it's the part of your whole being that God has yet to redeem. We, we speak in these past tense terms of that when we were saved, that God has redeemed us. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there are parts of this sin nature that, that rears its ugly head in us and sometimes leads us into sinful areas. And this is a part that yet God has not yet renewed, and He will in, in one day. He's not renewed us yet there in the flesh, but one day He will. See, the, the desires of the flesh are not always for bad things. There's certainly a list of bad things that the flesh pursues, but sometimes desires can be for good things and still be sinful. And the way that happens is when those desires become what the Bible refers to as over-desires. They become these desires that control us and rule our lives. They fill our thoughts and consume us. And these things that are good in and of themselves become a God to us. And we pursue them at all costs, one of the main costs, at the expense of giving up God. We have replaced God with these over-desires that have become idols in our own minds. When a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, it becomes our God. And before we know it, that relationship, the the job uh, offer or the approval of other people or the controlling of a situation or a circumstance becomes in the forefront, central in our minds. 
And it becomes this over-desire for us. And this is one side of the war that is within us. The other side of this war that is within us is the spirit, the desires of the spirit. And this is not talking about the soul of a man or the soul of a woman. Instead, this is referring to the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Inside the believer, the spirit has taken up residence and he lives within us. And his job is to, is to point us toward Christ. He is working within us to change our hearts away from this sark's nature, this fleshly nature, this sinful nature. And he's wanting to change us from hearts that desire sin to hearts that desire God. And it's this lifelong battle that will go on inside of us, this war within, where the Spirit of God is claiming territory from the flesh day by day by day. That's what Paul is pointing to here in verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, he says that they, these, the, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, this is important because for the believer, our want to has changed. We didn't used to want to please God. We didn't want to follow him. We didn't want holiness. But God has given us these new hearts that now pursue these things and desire these things. And sometimes the desire is there, isn't it? But yet the doing of it is absent. We're not alone in that. You're not somehow, you you didn't sort of not show up one day when that was given out to the rest of us. We all struggle with that at times. Even the Apostle Paul, when he wrote in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. Paul went from Saul. He now wanted to follow God and to please him in all things. But he says, I I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing that I now hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. The reason he says this here is because if we leave off from trusting the Spirit and we go back to saying, I know what's best for me, and I'll go and I'll chase this thing that God tells me not to, We go off and and we leave grace and we go back into this thing of, I want to be my own savior. And we agree that the law is good and somehow we think we can save ourselves. We know what's best. God is somehow withholding from us. It continues in Romans 7. He says, so now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anybody identify with that? I mean, it's all the time. I find myself all the time saying, I am not going to eat ice cream at night, right? What do I do? Every time we go get groceries, like I'll walk through every single aisle at a good pace. That freezer section, oh, it's slow. Yeah. (laughs) I get to Bluebell and it's like I'm, you know, sizing this thing up and ready to pounce, right? He says, I keep on doing the thing that I hate. Now, if I do not want to do, if, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I, but it's the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Listen to this. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being... But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he just, he just sort of blurts out, 
wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? It's as if, one commentator said, it's as if we have these rebel troops still within us that launch these rebel attacks against headquarters from time to time. That while our minds and our hearts have been changed, that God has given us new hearts that are pliable to Him and love Him and that want to do the right thing, that sometimes we have these rebel troops, these rebel members that attack and they go against the new heart and the new head that God has given us. So there is a war within Secondly, you cannot defeat the flesh with the flesh. You can't defeat the flesh with the flesh. Deciding to fight the flesh in the flesh is like trying to put out a fire with matches. Say, I can't figure out why this thing's not going out. Trying to fight the flesh with the flesh is like trying to dry off by jumping in the pool again. You just can't do it. You will wind up making yourself all that more sinful if you try to defeat the flesh with the flesh. And Paul here in our passage today, I won't spend a lot of time in these, but he lists out for us these four different categories of sins of the flesh. And other commentators have grouped these into categories, and I think this is very helpful because this is oftentimes the way that we are led by our flesh to sin and to go against God. First category, sexual sins. We see this in in verse 19. He lists them out for us there. Sexual immorality. This speaks of fornication or sex between unmarried people. Um, Impurity is another word there. And this is speaking of unnatural sexual practices and relationships. In this would be things like homosexuality. He says sensuality. And sensuality is this uncontrolled sexuality that gives itself completely over to these things. And this is what he's giving us here is this category of sexual sins. The second category is religious sins. Notice in 20, idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry is is an inadequate substitute for God. It is anything that takes the place of God. It can be, for me, ice cream, or it can be, for you, the job, or it can be something else. It can take the place of God in your mind and in your life, practically live itself out in that way. Sorcery, he says. Sorcery is the the falsifying or the faking of the work of the Spirit. We see this sometimes in in things like horoscopes. Probably not as many people look at those today as as they once did, but but turning to something other than God and saying, "What what does the future hold for me? And and instead of trusting God, but looking to something else, looking to the stars or looking to this and and trying to figure out what what it is that I have coming to me, this is sorcery. It's faking the work of the Spirit. So sexual sins, religious sins, and third, social sins. This list of social sins is the longest by far. And I want you to take note that not everything in this list of social sins is an action. Many of these are attitudes. And the point for us is that attitudes can, become, can, can be just as sinful as actions. Uh, and we all know this. And let's look at these. He speaks of enmity, which is this hostility or this adversarial attitude. It's always having this, this posture of opposition. Somebody says yes and you say no. You always say, yeah, but this is that posture. This is enmity. Strife is discord, it's being argumentative, it's picking fights, it's looking to start something all the time. 
Jealousy. It's the, the zeal and ego that comes from a, from a hungry ego. Uh, it's, it's a person who is insecure. The person oftentimes who, who is jealous, that's rooted oftentimes the way it comes out in the fact that they're insecure in some area. And so they're looking at someone else and they don't have what that person has and their, their insecurity is showing and it comes out in jealousy. Fits of anger. These are outbursts of unrighteous anger. And I've spoken about this. My time, you know, going up and down, you know, Interstate 85, you know, I mean, it's, I have outbursts of, of unrighteous anger, you know, and it doesn't do me a bit of good. The person in the car doesn't hear me. You know, I'm the one getting my blood pressure up and, and uh, causing a scene here and, and, uh, and, and really kind of sinning against my God. And it's just this outburst of anger. He says rivalries. It's this competitiveness with a, with a self-seeking motive. It's, man, I, I got to be the one on top. I got to be the best. Dissensions. These are divisions between people that oftentimes result from anger, unresolved anger, or rage. Divisions. These are going beyond dissensions, and they go into things that are more permanent. It's these permanent parties and warring groups. Um, by the way, just a side note here, as a church, we better be on guard because we have an enemy from without that would love to get in the middle of us and divide us and would love to strike us into warring parties and to take sides and to see one another not as brothers but opponents, not as sisters but as someone that we must do battle with. He goes on and he says envy, which envy to me I don't know why it's listed where it is. It seems to me it would fit better up, but I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I'll leave it where it is. But envy is, is the issue of coveting. It's desiring what others have, similar to jealousy. The fourth category here in this list is not just sexual sins, religious sins, or social sins, but the fourth category is sins of excess. He mentions drunkenness. This is intoxication or addiction to these pleasure-creating substances or behaviors. It's, it's seeking this, this high from this thing or this behavior or, or whatever. There's a word here in 21, orgies, that is not talking about what many of you may think your, your mind may go there. This is the partying that often comes after the drinking. It's the wild party that comes when everyone has had way too much. And then he goes on in verse 21, and the last thing he says and things like these. I mean, everything fits under that. I mean, there, there are more sins than, than what he's listed here, but the point is that the flesh will never lead you toward God because it is bent away from God. Use, trying to use the flesh to beat the flesh is ridiculous. It's, it's powerless. It will never lead you to God. It will always lead you to more sin. It's, it's like trying to take magnets and trying to force them together on the wrong ends. You may, you may actually get them to touch, but they won't stay there. And this is what it is to, it was like to, to try to beat the flesh with the flesh. You can't do it. Third, the flesh can only be defeated by the Spirit. In verse 22 and 23, we are introduced to the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to notice that when he speaks of uh, the, the works of the flesh, works is plural. But when he gets to the fruit of the Spirit, it's singular. 
He doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. While there are nine of them, he simply refers to the fruit of the Spirit. The point he's making here is that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that one day we just decide we're going to begin to do. You ever decided you want to love somebody that's hard to love? How'd that work out? I mean, in your own strength, you might have got 10 minutes out of it. But before you know it, that person is on your nerves again. They're criticizing in this area again, and it's hard. You ever decided, today, I'm going to be a person of peace? (laughs) What usually happens? I-85 happens, right? I mean, the the, the fruit of the Spirit is not something that one day we just decide we're going to begin to practice. Certainly, the works of the flesh fall into that category. There are things that we decide. We decide we're going to be angry. We decide we're going to be jealous. We decide all of these things, the works of the flesh, but we don't decide to begin to practice and put on the fruit of the Spirit. It is produced only because we are rooted in Christ. You know, Jesus tells the story of of the vine and the branches, and the reality that he's pointing to there is that branches don't strain. Branches, you look out at an, at an apple tree or look out at, at a peach tree. You never look out at that tree and see that the tree standing there and the branches going, you know, trying to pop out fruit somewhere. You don't see that because branches don't strain. What do branches do? Branches sit in the root, they abide in the tree and they wait. And that's what we are called to do. That's how we put on the fruit of the Spirit. The flesh is only defeated by the Spirit. John John 15, verses 4 through 5, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide, abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the reality is that when we look at these individual facets of the fruit, we will not produce them in and of ourselves. They will be produced in our lives by abiding in Christ. Through spiritual intimacy with Jesus. S.H. Hook said this, A vine does not produce grapes by act of parliament. They are the fruit of the vine's own life. So the conduct which conforms to the standards of the kingdom of God is not produced by any demand, not even God's. But it is the fruit of that divine nature which God gives as the result of what he has done in and by Christ. You will not one day wake up and decide you are going to produce these fruits. The fruit of the Spirit will show up in your life as you abide in Him. We aren't talking here about a morality improvement program. We are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Lastly, how do we get the fruit of the Spirit? Well, Pastor, you just said abide. Well, let me give some more detail to it. How do we get the fruit of the Spirit? I want you to hear me here. Verse 24, first, we must die. To get this fruit, we have to die. Verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. 
We can't defeat the flesh by the flesh, nor can we get the fruit by the law. We must die. We have to give up on our striving. We have to give up on what we think is our ability to save ourselves. We have to give up on what we think is best for us. We have to die to self. This is the first part of the gospel. Jesus said, speaking largely of himself, getting ready to go to the cross, but then he put it in the context of those who would follow him. And he said in John chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And that is the reality for you and I. If you are a believer, if you're a Christian here today, we have already been crucified with Christ. We have died with him. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have died in Christ. When Jesus died on the cross because of our faith in him, God sees that we have died in him. That the punishment, the penalty for our sin has been paid. That the righteousness of Christ from the life that he lived in perfect obedience has been put into our account. We have died with Christ. The power of sin over our lives as Christians has died. The reason we struggle is that the presence of sin hasn't. The power of sin in our lives has died, but the presence hasn't. And one day it will. One day. This is why we long for Jesus to return. This is why we say, come, Lord Jesus. This is why every day we should look and say, God, would today be the day we want to be with you? But until that day, there will be this presence of sin among us. First, we must die. And then verse 25 says, once we die, then we will live. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And what's being pointed to here is that just as we have this alien righteousness in our justification, the righteousness of Christ given to us, it wasn't ours, it's alien, it's His, but we get it. Just as we have this alien righteousness in our justification, We also have and need an alien power in our sanctification. The Holy Spirit moves into us to war against the desires of the flesh, to convert our our hearts and change our minds that we pursue God instead of sin. So my message for you today, very simply, before we turn the diamond that is the fruit of the Spirit and look at all of its facets, my message to you today is... Abide. Abide in Christ. Linger in his presence. Turn to his word. Savor his word. Don't merely say, oh yeah, I love the Bible, but don't open it. Instead, get in his word every day. Talk with him. Abide there. Find yourself not striving to produce these these fruit in your life, but instead just abiding in him and watch what he does. You'll begin to see fruit being produced in your life as you abide. 
It may not be as quick as you want, but guess what? The farmer who sets out the crop in early spring probably doesn't come in as fast as he wants either. He often has to wait all through the spring and all through the summer and into the fall before he can make the harvest. And some, sometimes the fruit that you're looking for in your life that you long for so much will not come as quickly as you want, but abide. He will produce the fruit of the Spirit in you as you abide. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that not only have you given us your word, but Lord, you have given us your spirit. Your spirit has taken up residence in all of us who are believers to, to change our hearts to pursue and desire you over above the things that lead us away from you. God, for the person in this room today who is not a believer, who does not have the Spirit of God living within him or her, but who longs for these fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, and all of these going forward, but can't get them because the desire is there, but the acquiring of them is not. Lord, would you lead them today to die? Would you lead them today to die to self and to place their faith and their trust in Jesus alone? God, for your church that's in this room, would you lead us, would you teach us how to abide? Would you stop our striving? Lord, yes, we will work with you in tandem and you will create this synergy as we work out our salvation because you are working in us the power to do it. But God, would you cease our striving from thinking that somehow we can save ourselves, that we can defeat the flesh with the flesh or we can acquire the fruit with the law. But God, would you help us to die and to trust and abide. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to give you a few moments to reflect and respond on what's been said. The truth of the Word of God, maybe it's come home to you in a particular way today. Maybe just thinking on those things and just right where you are, praying to God, just quietly where you are, just saying, God, would you help me to abide? Lord, would you stop my trying to save myself? Would you lead me away from those things? Maybe that's what is called for in this moment. Perhaps you are here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Today, I would implore you, you will never have the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, or the self-control that you are looking for without the power that is alien to you that is the Holy Spirit. And the only way he will take up residence in you is if you die to yourself, turning away from your sin and trusting what Christ has done on your behalf, that he lived for you and that he died for you. And when you trust in him as your only hope of being right with God, then he will take up residence in your life and you will be filled with the power to pursue him and to live out the abiding life. Maybe you're here today and you just need someone to pray with you. I'll be glad to. I'd love to sit here on the front row. I'll be down here. I'd love to speak with you, pray with you. If you are an unbeliever and you need to trust, but you don't know how, come see me on the front row. Love, Love to have the conversation and lead you to trust in the Lord. Whatever it is that God has called you to today, be free to say yes and to follow him. Let's respond in worship. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.